You know, one of the uh, one of the greatest advantages of being in a world where we can shop online and be online consumers is the ability to track a package from the moment you buy it to the moment it arrives on your front door. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you click a button to buy something and you can actually track to see when it's coming to your house. And so uh, two weeks ago, I, um, I was in need of a new pair of boots. And uh, you know, I've been trying to decide what boots I wanted to buy. And finally, I'd made my decision. It was the Monday before Thanksgiving. Now, I know you're supposed to wait until Friday to buy things you know, after Thanksgiving, but I decided what I wanted. I knew what I wanted, so I got on Amazon, and there they were, and they were on sale. So I'm like, I'm gonna get these boots. So I bought them. It was a Monday night, and I'm an Amazon Prime member, so that means, hey, free two-day shipping, which means I should get these boots on Wednesday. I was all excited, and then I realized, because I ordered it Monday night, it wasn't gonna process until Tuesday morning, which means I'm not really gonna get them until Thursday. And then I'm like, oh wait, Thursday's a holiday, which means I'm not really gonna get them until Friday. And it's like, it just kept being delayed on when I was gonna get these boots. And then Tuesday morning, I wake up and I'm like, man, I wish I had new boots. These things are so worn out. I don't know if you can see the boots I'm wearing right now. I've had them for 20 years. And I'm like, ah, I'm ready for the new boots. So I remember I can track the package. It almost made the waiting feel a little more bearable that I could get on my phone and see the little blue line that Amazon does. It shows me where it is in process. So I get on on Tuesday and I see like, hey, it is, it's been shipped. I'm like, all right, progress. And I keep checking all through Tuesday. I check on Wednesday and I see on Wednesday afternoon that it's arrived to a sorting facility here in Nashville. And I'm like, oh, it's like practically here. You know, it's so close. And then Thursday is Thanksgiving, but I checked anyways, just in case, you know, like UPS decided they want to do something. And then Friday I get on my phone and I see at 9.30 a.m., that it's out for delivery. And I can like just feel the boots on my feet. I'm like so excited, you know. All day Friday, I'm like checking my phone religiously, like re refreshing it to see if it's been delivered yet. And then it says, you know, it'll be delivered by 8 p.m. So I'm checking, then 8 p.m. comes and no package. So I'm like, well, it'll come. You know, I keep checking, I keep checking. 8.30, no package. 9 p.m., no package. 9.30, no package. And I'm still like holding out hope that there's some poor UPS driver out there at 10 o'clock at night, like driving around. And then my wife says, hey, Aaron, um, I just got this email because her email account is linked to our Amazon account. She says, your package was damaged in transit and it's being returned to Amazon. <laughs> and so after like five days of tracking this package, I find out I'm not gonna get it. And I find out at 10 p.m. on a Friday, which means there's nothing I can do about it until Monday. So Monday, I contact Amazon and they're like, yeah, you just have to reorder it. So I go to order it. They've raised the price on me. So then I call customer service. It's a long story, sorry. I call customer service. <laughs> And they're like, hey, we'll, we'll ship it to you, same price, no worries, it'll come by Thursday. I'm like, ah, you know, a week after I was gonna, that's cool. Thursday, I start tracking it again and <laughs> tell me it's not gonna come on Thursday, it's gonna come on Friday. Finally came Friday night at like nine o'clock, I took the boots out, I tried them on and they were too small and I've gotta send them back to Amazon to get another pair. You know, it's like, ah, you could track a package, but it still is so long to wait. Like, there, none of us like to wait, do we? I mean, I hate waiting. I don't wanna wait on things that I want. I want it right now. And we hate to wait. And, and here's the thing, there is this kind of deceptive thought out there that, that hey, if, if, we can, if we can track progress towards the things that we're waiting for, then maybe the waiting won't feel so bad. If we can see progress toward the thing we're waiting for, then maybe the waiting will feel a little bit more bearable. This is why we have like countdown calendars, right? You have a vacation, you start Xing off the days until the vacation's coming because it feels like it's getting closer. 
Remember when I was a kid, we used to get construction paper and make these little chains uh, with the rings, and, and each ring represented a day until Christmas. So every night we'd rip one of the rings off, you know, because it showed, man, Christmas is getting closer. You know, we love to track progress. It's why we'll stand at a stove and watch a pot of water waiting for it to boil. <laughs> we start seeing the little bubbles, and we're like, yes, progress, it's gonna boil soon. We love to see progress. You know, the reality, though, that I've experienced is that, and this happened to me in this experience, I think this constant monitoring of progress, it actually makes the waiting more unbearable. Because, see, we, we get fixated on the thing that we don't yet have. And we won't be satisfied and we can't be happy until the thing we're longing for is in our hands. You see, the constant tracking of progress is an obsession with something that we don't yet have. You know, in Advent, Advent is this season where we are waiting. It's all about uh, followers of Jesus waiting. The word Advent uh, comes from the Latin word uh, that means arrival or, or the coming of someone. And so at, at Advent, it's this idea that we're waiting for the arrival of Jesus. And, and many people kind of think that, that Advent is really just about waiting for the birth of Christ. In fact, I was with some friends last night at their house for dinner, and we were talking about Advent around the table, and my friend said to her daughter, she said, she said yeah, Advent is the time where we wait for Christ's birth. And in one sense, this is true, because in Advent, we're counting down till the day, you know, Christmas Day, the day we recognize that Christ came into the world. But in another sense, we're not really waiting for Christ's birth at all, are we? I mean, Christ was already born. He was born 2,000 years ago in a small town in, uh, called Bethlehem. We, we, we know that that has already happened, that Christ came, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for all of humanity, and rose from the dead on the third day. All of those things already happened. So in one sense, Advent is really, first of all, about remembering. It's about remembering what Christ has already done. And it is a season where we wait for Christ to do what he said he is yet to do, that he will return. And the question I want us to wrestle with this morning is how do we wait? How do we wait for Christ to fulfill his promise to return? And I'd like to suggest that we, we take our cues for how to wait from those who waited before us. And by that, I mean, we take our cues from the, uh, the Israelite people a people who waited centuries to see the fulfillment of what God had promised. And this is what we're gonna see in Micah chapter five. So if you have your Bible, uh, Micah chapter five, page 636 in the Orange Bibles, we're gonna read kind of different chunks of chapter five and chapter six. Uh, we're gonna start in Micah five, verse two. This is what Micah, what Micah writes. He says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, I don't know what Ephrathah means, I'm sorry, I just thought I'd try to pronounce it my best again. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were a small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And here, we, if you've read the Gospel of John, you kind of get this sense of like, oh man, Micah is like predicting the coming of Christ. Because see, in John chapter one, the Apostle John would say that, that Jesus is the word that in the beginning, back in, from ancient times, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. And John will say that the word put on flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so Micah says, a ruler of Israel whose origins are from of old. Look in verse three. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock 
in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. You see, Micah is laying out this promise. He's saying, hey, listen, there is a ruler coming, Israel a ruler whose greatness will stretch to the ends of the earth, a ruler who will rule in the very power of Lord God Almighty. And this ruler, he himself will be our peace. Micah is holding out this promise that the Messiah is coming. Now, I want you to try to imagine being an Israelite. You know, if you were a contemporary of Micah, the Israelites were constantly under siege literally being attacked by armies from Assyria who were coming in and laying siege to their cities and deporting their people to other cities to which they were not a part of. And you can imagine being an Israelite and hearing these words of Micah and it just instills some hope of like, oh Lord, yes. Lord, will you bring a ruler that will end the tyranny? Lord, yes. But can you imagine being a contemporary of Micah 25 years after Micah wrote these words and it hadn't happened? 50 years Imagine being 100 years, 200 years, 300 years after the writing of Micah's words and still looking at these promises and going, now, wait a minute, like, is is this gonna happen? Like, when is this gonna happen? They were waiting, longing for the fulfillment of what Micah wrote, and Micah wasn't the only one. Isaiah writes about it, Daniel writes about it. There's like all these promises that God is going to send an anointed ruler to rule his people. But what I love about the way Micah handles this He doesn't just hold out this promise. If you keep reading through chapter five and chapter six, you're gonna see kind of this pattern that Micah lays out. He he lays out the promise, but then he's gonna do something else where he's gonna say, hey, I want you to understand why you can trust this promise. Look with me in chapter six. Chapter six, verse three. This is the Lord speaking through Micah to his people. He says, my people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answered me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent you Moses to lead you, and also Aaron and Miriam, my people, remember. And and he's gonna go on and name all these things that the Lord has done for the good of his people. Micah's saying, hey, listen, here's the promise. Now, how do you know you can trust it? Remember, remember all that the Lord has done. Remember all the ways that he has shown his faithfulness over the centuries. Remember the goodness of God. And so Micah says, here's the promise. Here's how you know you can trust it. Remember God's character. And then he's going to go from remember and he's going to say, now let me tell you how you wait. Let me show you how to wait. Look in verse uh, six of chapter six. Micah says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? In other words, what Micah is saying is, hey, listen, Lord, what do we do while we're waiting? Do we, do we jump through every religious hoop that we think we have to do in order to please you? Do we offer all the sacrifices over and over again? Is that all the waiting is, is just doing the religious stuff? Or do we look to the cultures around us? You see, the cultures around them, of the Israelites, it was common practice to offer a firstborn child as a sacrifice to their deities. And so here Micah going, Lord, are we supposed to look to the cultures and do what the culture around us does? Are we supposed to just do all of these religious things while we wait for you? But look at verse eight. Micah says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with 
your God. In other words, what he says, he says, hey, here's the promise. Here's how you know you can trust it. Now, here's how you wait. You walk in the character of the one who made the promise. You walk like him. You live like him. You love mercy the way that he loves mercy. You act with justice the way that he acts with justice. And you walk humbly before him. And that is the way that you wait for him to fulfill the thing that he has promised. You know, this is, this is the model. This is the invitation for us as followers of Jesus as well. We take our cues because the same God that made promises to the Israelites is the God that makes promises to us. You see, we've been given a promise. You can't read through the Old Testament and miss it. It's there over and over and over again. The promise is that though Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave, that he is going to return. Jesus is going to return and make all things right. He says it this way in John chapter 14, verse three, he tells his followers, his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going away. I'm going to my father's house because there's many rooms there and I'm gonna go and prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place and I will return and I will take you there so that you can be with me. We're thinking about Acts chapter one, verse 11. Jesus is risen from the dead and his followers are with him and then he is lifted out of their sight seemingly just into the heavens and they're standing there looking up at him like, oh, where did he go? And then these angels come. They said, hey, why are you staring up into heaven? Don't you know that this same Jesus is going to return the same way that you've seen him taken? He is going to come back. Stop staring into the heavens. It's over and over again all throughout the New Testament. Uh, the, the writers of Hebrews chapter nine, the verse that, that we read this morning, this idea that Christ is going to return and he is going to offer forgiveness for all of those who put their trust in him. Or first Peter chapter five, Peter lays it out like this. He says, hey, listen, don't worry. Our father is not slow as you understand slowness. No, he's patient because he wants as many as possible to come into saving knowledge of who he is. He says, so wait, the day is coming. Christ will return. And ultimately, it culminates in Revelation, verse 21, where we're given this promise that Christ will return and he will bring a new heaven and a new earth and he will make all things new. It's this beautiful promise that every bad thing will be made right, every evil thing will be overturned, and every tear will be wiped, every sickness wiped away because Jesus will return and make all things new. This is our promise. So Advent, we, we fix our eyes on this promise, the promise that Christ will return. But just like Micah, he says, hey, here's the promise. How do we know we can trust it? And I think it's why so much of Advent is remembering. We remember, hey, God has already shown his faithfulness. He sent his son. He said he would do it and he did it. Christ came, Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose from the dead. And Advent, we remember that promise. But then we also have to think about how do we wait? How do we wait for the fulfillment of that promise? You know, uh, I think sometimes, too often, Advent is just reduced to the simple act of waiting for Christmas. It's just these 24 days where we're counting down the day until Christmas is finally here. And the danger in that is that we live in a culture that is it's consumer-oriented. It's so materialistic. And the danger, if we think we're just counting down to Christmas, is we begin to think that Advent is really just counting down until the day that I get to unwrap my presents. And it's really just about me waiting to get the things that I want to get. Advent becomes about me getting what I think I need, what I think I deserve. And then when we start talking about the return of Christ and waiting for that, we end up having kind of the same posture. 
We think, hey, when, when we're waiting on Christ to return, we're just waiting for what we think we're going to get. And if we're not careful, what we start to do is do what we would do with a package on Amazon. We start to try to track Christ's progress on how he's doing and fulfilling his promise. And we'll start saying, hey, Jesus, where are you? You know, where are you in the midst of And here's the thing. I've done this. I'm sure you've done it. If you've ever tried to track Christ on his faithfulness and his progress, that when things are going well, it feels pretty good. And when the bank account is full, ah, oh, man, thank you, Jesus, things are good. You know, when the relationships are stable, when the marriage is strong, when the kids are doing well, when the job is stable, when all of these things, when, when, when sickness is at bay, it's like, man, yeah, Jesus, way to go. But man, when things don't seem to be going well, suddenly it's like, wait, Jesus, where, where are you? You know, when, when the job gets pulled away or we can't find the stable job, when marriage is on the rocks, when the child doesn't want to talk to the parent, when the cancer won't leave, when these things start to happen, if we're trying to monitor the progress of Jesus and keeping his promise, it can start to get a little disheartening. You know, I think the problem is the instructions that we've been given for waiting, it's not our job to try to track the progress of Jesus and keeping his promise. No, the instructions uh, we've been given are waiting is not so much about us making sure that we get what we deserve. No, our waiting is more about us remembering what we've been given and what we get to give. Remember what Micah said. He said, hey, waiting is about walking in the character of God, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God Almighty. It's about what we've been given. You see, the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus was, was this moment. It's not just a cute story about a baby in a manger, you know, like the birth of Jesus or this, was this moment where God Almighty injected hope into a hopeless world. And he chose to take his love that is so big, so divine, so all-encompassing and to put a human body on it. That God chose to incarnate his love in human form in the man, Jesus Christ that Jesus stepped into the human experience with all of its pain, with all of its brokenness, and he showed us what love is really like. And you see, when we step in to life with Jesus, the promise is that the spirit, the very spirit of that same Jesus comes to live in us. And we've already begun to receive the promise. The promise has been deposited in us through the Holy Spirit. That's what Ephesians 1 tells us, that the Spirit is like this deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. When you live with Jesus, you're focused on what you've been given, but you also begin to focus on what you get to give. You know, we live in a world that feels pretty hopeless. In fact, just last week, uh, my family, we switched, um, we switched internet providers and this guy had to come out to our house and set up all the stuff and do the things he does, make sure we get coverage in our home and now, he was a young guy, and while he was there, I wasn't at home, but my, my wife and my mom and uh, three of our children were there, including our, our newborn daughter, Kara. And um, he was watching my wife with, with three of our kids, and, and he said something. He said, yeah, it's really amazing that you guys want to have kids. He said, I've been married for two or three years, but I'm, I'm, we're never going to have kids. We've already decided we're never having children. And my mom said, well, why not? And he said, he said because there's, there's too many evil people in the world. This world is too evil to even think about bringing a child into. And this guy was a follower of Jesus. My like, man, my mom told me that that night, and it's just kind of wrecked my heart and my mind over the last week. You would feel so hopeless about the condition of humanity. You wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even want to even think about bringing a child into the world because it feels beyond the realm of being fixed, of being made right. 
You see, and this is the beauty of what we get to celebrate at Advent. I believe that, that the world does want to track Christ's progress in delivering on his promise. And I think that the greatest evidence to the world that Christ is making progress in his promise is when the world sees Christ's people walking in the footsteps of Christ, copying the works of Jesus, putting God's love on display in our lives, in our body, showing the world that the love of God is not a pipe dream, that the work of Jesus is not pie in the sky, but the work of Jesus is being done right here, right now, that we are invited to put flesh on the promise of Jesus to make all things new. That we, we get to do this. We get to act justly. We get to love mercy. We get to walk with God. And we get to partner with God in injecting hope into a hopeless world. So you see, this, this Advent season, we're gonna do all the normal Advent stuff. I mean, every Sunday, we're gonna, we're gonna light a candle, we're gonna talk about hope. We're going to talk about love and joy and peace. But we want to avoid the risk of Advent just become about us counting down until we get what we, what we want, right? Instead, we're going to ask God, God, this Advent season, how do we partner with you in injecting hope into the city around us? And we've lined up kind of three simple opportunities that every single person in our church can partner in. And I'm going to lay out each one of these opportunities for you. And this is an invitation it's an invitation for you to take the posture of waiting, of wanting to inject hope into the world and walking with God so the world can see the love of Jesus. So here, here's the first invitation, the first opportunity. There's, there's an organization in Nashville called Youth Encouragement Services, uh, YES or YES. And for the last 35 years, YES has, has put on what they call their Christmas store. And the goal of the Christmas store is to enable low-income families all across Nashville to be able to come in and instead of just being given generic clothes, generic whatever, they can come in and they can actually shop for their kids for things their kids could actually wear and things their kids actually need. And so one of the things they do is that every family comes into the store and they get to select a complete outfit for each of their kids. They get to select a new unopened toy for each one of their children. Uh, they receive a, a $20 Walmart gift card and a large box of groceries so that they can have a complete holiday meal together as a family on Christmas. Now, the way this is possible, the way YES is able to do this, they rely completely upon the donations of people all around Nashville. And we've been invited this year to try to help them stock the shelves of their Christmas store. And so if you want to do this, this is one of the ways you can do this. I'm going to lay out three, but this is one of the options. So when you leave today and you go through the lobby, you'll see a table set up out there and you'll see a card that looks something like this. It says uh, YES Christmas store on the top of it. And if you take this card on the back, they call it an angel card. It'll have, it'll say like, this one says girl size 18. It'll have a list of items that you could buy for this person. Now, quick note about this card. When you grab it, you'll see a place to put your name and you'll see it, some different dates on there that I'm telling you, you can ignore those. <laughs> All you need to know on this card is the list on the back that tells you what to buy. And then this week, you can go and you can purchase the items on that card and next Sunday, December 9th, Bring those items back with you. We'll have a box in the lobby. You can drop all of those items off. And that evening, someone from YES, uh, a guy that goes to our church here, Byron, he's gonna come grab all of that stuff and take it and deliver it to YES for us. And so that's one way. One way you can step into injecting hope into the world around us this Advent season is by doing the Christmas store. So there's another way though. Uh, some of you remember that um, back at Thanksgiving, we, we partnered with several different organizations to bless uh, this hotel called Casablanca Casa Linda. And this is a hotel out on uh, Murfreesboro Road. And, uh, you know, the reality is in Nashville, thousands of people in Nashville are either homeless 
or at risk of homelessness. And Casa, Casa Blanca, Casa Linda is this hotel where 400 residents who are, for a variety of reasons, are caught in kind of a, just a transitionary moment in their life. Some of them are just out of prison and they're trying to get back on their feet. Some of them are living under the weight of their past choices and they're trying to kind of get their life right again. Uh, this hotel is, has been notorious for a place that is at risk for human trafficking where women and children are at risk of being abducted and sold into human trafficking. And there are several uh, organizations around our city that have said, hey, you know what? Instead of expecting those people to have to pick themselves up by their bootstraps to get back on their own feet, what if we went to them and began to show them the love of Jesus? And we've been invited in as Ethos to start to partner with some of these groups. One of them is uh, Nashville Anti-Human Trafficking. It's this group that just tries to protect people from being trafficked. And so we went to Thanksgiving. Some of you bought groceries and brought, brought them and some of you went and delivered. And for Christmas, they're doing a different project. They've asked us, hey, we would love it if we could make a stocking to give to every person, every resident that lives in this facility so that they could have some cold weather clothing, you know, hats and scarves and gloves and that sort of thing. They said, would Ethos want to help us to be able to give this gift to these people? And so what we're gonna do is out in the lobby, you'll find a strip of paper that looks like this. And on this strip of paper, it has all the information that you need, the things that you can buy, when to bring them back. December 16th here, we'll stack those in the lobby as well. And so this is option number two. Number one, you can buy stuff for, for the YES Christmas store. Number two, we can partner with different Christians in the city to bless the residents of Casablanca, Casa Linda, and we can buy cold weather clothing to stuff stockings to be delivered. The third option is this. Uh, some of you you, you may not be in a place financially where you feel like you can afford to buy for others. And so on December 20th, uh, we're not just gonna go buy the things for the residents of Casablanca, Casa Linda. On December 20th, we're gonna go, it's a Thursday night. Every Thursday, they have a meal. And on December 20th, they're gonna have a special Christmas banquet and we get to go and help them serve. We get to bring the stockings that our church puts together to deliver those to the residents there that Thursday, to share a meal, to give a gift, to pray for and to encourage the residents of the hotel. If you're interested in doing that, then there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. We'll need about 30 volunteers. If you think you might be available that night, put your name, your email address, and we'll get you more details for that. And so here's our three options. This Advent season, we're gonna choose not just to wait for the thing that we think we deserve, but instead we're gonna choose to partner with Jesus in injecting hope into our city. As we wait, we're gonna walk with God Almighty for the sake of the city around us. And what we're asking from our church family is that you would pick one, just one of these three things, just pick one and do that so that as a church, we could help the love of God be put on display for our whole city to see as we wait for the fulfillment of Christ's promise to make all things new. And so here's what we're gonna do this morning as I get ready to wrap up. You know, every single Sunday, we do something that is a key part of Advent, actually. Every Sunday, we participate with one another in remembering. You know, we come around the Lord's table and there's this, this bread and this cup. And when we take this bread and this cup, we are remembering, we're remembering the faithfulness of God that we can trust his promise. That as you take this bread, it is a reminder that God chose not to stay at a distance, but to put a human body on his love in the man Jesus, to come and show the world what love is really like. And so as we take the bread, we remember, we remember God's faithfulness. As you take the cup, we remember the cup reminds us that Jesus' blood was shed, that he came and lived a perfect life and he poured out his blood for the forgiveness of humanity so that we could have right relationship with God. And as you take the cup, we remember that Jesus will stop at no lengths 
at no length for you to know the Father's love. And today, as you take the cup, as you take the bread, I'm gonna release here in a minute to go grab it. I I want you to grab it and bring it back with you to your seat. And I want you to spend some time with those around you just to thank Jesus for his faithfulness because his faithfulness is what gives us the courage to hope and to wait and to partner with him. So thank him for his faithfulness and then share with one another what is the one thing that you are going to choose to step into as we seek to inject hope into the city around us. So I'm gonna pray for us, then I'm gonna release you to communion. And I want you to just spend some time thanking God and then share with one another what you're gonna do. Let's pray. Lord God, I love, I love you, Lord. I love, I love that you're faithful. You know, Lord, it's easy for me sometimes to, to fall into a trap of, of thinking, man, Lord, you're kind of slow. You know, I'm, I'm 39 years old and I haven't seen the fulfillment. I've been waiting, been waiting. And sometimes, Lord, I just confess, I fall into a trap of thinking that 39 years feels like a long time to me. And yet, Lord, I know that you have been faithfully telling your stories for centuries, for thousands of years. And that, Lord, you have given us so many different moments where you've put your faithfulness on display for us to see. And Lord, primarily, we fix our eyes on the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. These two moments where you've just, you've just sealed, you've sealed our confidence in you, that, that you are faithful. So Lord, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, would you pour out your spirit upon us to anchor us and fit our feet firmly upon the foundation of your promises. May we trust you, Lord, help us to trust you. And Lord, as we wait, as we wait for the fulfillment of your promise, Fill us with your spirit that we may partner with you and remember all that we've been given and remind us of all that we have to give to those around us. In this Advent season, Lord, would you help us not to wait in agony, but to wait with joy. Help us to wait with hope, Lord. Hope in all of your faithfulness. I love you, Father. I give you all praise and all glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.